0: The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Milwaukee Bucks podcast joining you once again. Matt Velasquez is on the other line. He has arrived through uh, through thick and thin in Detroit. We'll have to hear about his travel woes just a little bit, or they're not woes. He's he's going. He's in Detroit, which is where the Bucks are going to be playing the Pistons on Tuesday night. That's uh, that's a good first step. The Bucks have played a couple games since we last chatted on the podcast, but there's also been some development since then. My name is Jr. Radcliffe, host of the podcast. If you like what you hear, please go find us right now. Do it right now. Go to iTunes, check us out, rate us, review us. There have been no reviews of the Milwaukee Bucks podcast since last year, since before I started hosting it, and I am insulted. So, people, get out there, tell us what you think. It helps us know how we're doing, and it also helps us reach more listeners. Matt Velasquez, you uh, you are safe and sound. In Detroit as safe and sound as one can be in the weather that is uh the current midwestern weather situation are you going to be able to bundle yourself up and get to Detroit I'm uh, I'm impressed to learn that you actually made it through the snowstorm to your destination
1: yeah it uh it wasn't easy but I should be able to uh, provided someone's willing to like you know an uber's going to show up and bring me to the arena I'll I'll be there um I mean I'm I'm not close enough to walk but if someone will bring me I'll, I'll be there that's the hope that that the snow will will chill out um, but I'm, I'm just happy to, to be here. It
0: sounds like you were planning on routing from Oklahoma City, where the Bucks lost uh, on Sunday night, to the Thunder in a pretty close game. Uh, you were going to route through St. Louis, I believe, to get to Detroit. That is not what happened. Discuss.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it was, uh, you know, I, I was going to bed, setting an alarm. I said, oh, yeah, I'll just check in my flight. Uh, it was like a 6.30 in the morning flight on Monday. And I went to go check in, and it wouldn't let me check in on Sunday night because the flight from St. Louis to Detroit had already been canceled. So uh-huh. so I had to adjust, and I had to call. I was taking Southwest, and so I called, and they were very friendly. I, I have A-list, so I had a special phone line dedicated to me. Uh, very,
0: oh, you are such a big deal. Ve- Congratulations.
1: Very simple. It was very nice. So I call, and they're like, Hey, you can take a 6.50 in the morning flight to Denver and have like a three-hour and some-odd-minute layover there and then go to detroit and i was like that's great like i appreciate that are there any other options and they said nope this is the only option and there's one ticket left so do you want it or no and i was like uh yes i I do want that um that is preferable to not going to detroit uh and so i got up i went to the airport everything was very simple uh flew flew to denver uh, which, for those of you uh, who aren't sure about geography, is in the, the total opposite direction of, of Detroit. Um, and I knew that I'd probably get there and not know if my flight would actually go to Detroit because I didn't know what kind of snow was happening in Michigan and how bad the, the situation was. I know a lot of flights to Milwaukee and Chicago and places like that had been canceled. Um, so I decided to kind of sit there and chill out um did that had a nice breakfast and eventually the the flight got you know went got the ice got off the ground and landed safely in Detroit so here we go it's going to be a frosty cold night
0: Tuesday and Wednesday in Wisconsin and all around the Midwest so now that you're there hopefully you 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 know, stay alive. Uh, the Bucks. Uh, we'll talk about that game in New- in uh, Oklahoma City in a minute. The Bucks uh, taking a rare loss to Paul George and incredible performance by Paul George and uh, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. But uh, the big story with the Bucks right now is Thon Maker. He has uh, reportedly requested a trade, and uh, you and uh, Eric Name of the Athletic apparently sat down and chatted with him about it. And uh, doesn't really sound like he's denying it. It's pretty clear he did request a trade. He wants more playing time. Uh, he's uh, he's got no ill will towards the Bucks. Doesn't sound like the Bucks have any ill will towards him. But fact of the matter is, they're a first place team, and they've got a lot of great players right now. And Thon Maker is not seeing the floor as much as maybe he would with a with a team that isn't at this level. You know, the the fan reaction, the instant the instant knee jerk reaction to something like this is, how can you be unhappy if your team is dominating? I mean, even with the loss last night. The Bucs are 34-13. and They're percentage points ahead of Toronto for the best record in the NBA. Uh, They're a half game ahead of even the Golden State Warriors who have hit their stride. The Bucs are still absolutely one of the best teams in the NBA. How can somebody not want to stay there regardless of role? It's you know it's always a little more complicated than that, and it sounds like Thon Maker is saying some of the right things without denying that he would like opportunities elsewhere. You know, you talked to the man; you got a chance to really you know see him see him up close and, and talk about this. What was your takeaway in that conversation? Where do you think Thon Maker's head is at? Uh,
1: you know, first of all, the Bucks are actually thirty five and thirteen, so even better than you. Oh, thought. Oh, my bad. They were. we're winning games. I'm not uh, even watching now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but no, I think Thon. Uh, it really just comes down to him wanting to play. And he's not against being in Milwaukee and playing in Milwaukee. Uh, he, he loves Milwaukee. It's his home. He talked about, you know, kind of the brotherhood he has with his teammates. Um, kind of really emphasized that, that that's, you know, kind of how he feels. But at the same time, he's an incredibly uh, competitive person. You can't be in the NBA without being a certain level of competitive. Um, that You know, people who aren't competitive don't make it to this point. Um, and so, you know, he he just wants to play, and then that was the message that his agent kind of fed through, um, not just to the Bucks front office, but to Adrian Wojnarowski, VSPN, um, saying, "Hey, I, he wants to play more. And if he can't play more here, like find him, uh, find somewhere where he can play." And you know, that's all well and good, um, but the Bucks are under no obligation to do anything that they ask for. You know, it's not like, you know, they they. It's like a Jimmy Butler situation. Like if, if Don Maker sits out, it's really only hurting Don Maker, uh, and and it's not really something he would do. I mean, Jimmy Butler sits out, and it's like, well, he's still been an All Star, he's still done this and that. Like a team can talk themselves into him. but you know, Thon's not at that level. And so, you know, and Don, you know, he's on his rookie contract. He's in his third year in the league. The Bucks already picked up his option for next year, so he's under contract for the rest of this year and all of next year. Um, and if they don't find a trade partner that is suitable, they're just not going to trade him. That they, they don't have to do it. Uh, but if there is something suitable that they believe makes them better, and oh, maybe it can help Thon uh, and get the playing time that he needs. Like that's kind of a secondary thing. Um, then sure, like you know, you can you can you can do that. But they they aren't like I said any under any obligation. You know, Thon Maker and his agent don't have, really have any leverage. Uh, you know, and this is the type of thing that. I think it's just part of the business of the NBA. Anybody who's not playing wants to play more, and you know who else wants them to play more? Their agent, uh, because because that's that's how you know contracts are are created, and you know future prospects are you know are kind of made, and opportunities will come further you know from other teams and all that stuff in the future. And you know, and, and the thing about the Bucks too is that they will also, should they want to they could keep Thon Maker in restricted free agency after the next year and a half. At the end of his contract, he'll be a restricted free agent, and the Bucks can match any offer that an opposing team makes. And if they wanted to keep him, they have all the power and all the leverage. So, you know, for his agent to to be upset, uh, and for Thon to be upset, and to want more playing time, it's understood. uh, But... You know, it's not like they can really call the shots. All they can do is agitate.
0: If they were to make a player move, Thonmaker could very well be in the middle of it anyway if this had didn't come up. He's kind of one of those pieces that seems to have value but isn't necessarily a make-or-break guy. I mean, no offense to him. They they would still be where they are if Thonmaker weren't on the team. But, you know, he's still a little bit of a, of, a, of an unknown. He's a project who could develop into something pretty substantial. And so you could see why the Bucks would be hesitant to part with him but at the same time open to it. Now though the the dynamic has changed a little bit in that the Bucks aren't going to be getting in theory full return for him. I get that in the NBA things have to match up more financially than maybe they do in other leagues. So it's not as if, you know, it's it's not as if the Bucks are suddenly in a position where they'll, they'll get nothing good for him. But at the same time, I can't imagine they're thrilled with this either because now, you know, if if they were exploring that opportunity now, other teams know well they they got a, you know, they they've got an quote unquote unhappy player on their hands. I mean, I know the Bucks aren't just going to come out and respond to this, but this can't be something that they're excited about or something that they're, you know, they're probably at some point going to be irritated with Thon's agent over this. Are they
1: not? I mean, I think that this is more normal than we know about. Like, I think that this happens, you know, it probably happened with the Bucks last year. I mean, I'm sure it happened with the Bucks last year. Like, you know, like just that's the nature of the business. We know that Jabari Parker wasn't happy, Right. Um, so you, you have to imagine that there are a lot of conversations between his agent and, you know, John Horst and Milton Newton and all the guys in the front office. Like, it's just, that's normal. Pe- people talk and, um, you know, some things get out, some things don't. Um, but the, the thing about Thon Maker that makes things kind of different um, is that everyone, you know, I'm talking about players here, um, and, and really everyone in the Bucks organization, uh, but speaking specifically about players, they all like him. Like, he is a uh, a person who has been a a positive locker room presence he's always smiling he works really hard um you know he is friends with everyone on the team uh, and so I, I talked to, to Giannis Adetokounmpo last night and he was like yeah you know this is kind of easier to take coming from someone like Thon because you know we all know where his uh priorities are his priorities are still that he wants to win um and he's not actively angry he's not disrupting the team you know he's still out there focusing on the games uh, playing playing hard when he does get the opportunity, you know. Practicing hard, he's not, you know, being insubordinate in any way. He just wants to play, and he's still on the bench cheering them on, uh, even when he doesn't get a chance to play. Um, you know, so it's, it's not like he's been brooding uh, the the whole time and and causing a problem. I mean, Giannis was saying that, you know, he and Thon and Ursan Olyosova and, and you know those, you know, Giannis and Urson they play ahead of Thon, and or at least they have been and you know they sit together like they talk together they eat together like he's like oh yeah Thon and DJ are like really good friends and like you know DJ Wilson is playing instead of Thon like and so it's not like he is distancing himself from the players who are playing ahead of him or he's causing a disruption and so everybody kind of just gets it like this is a team with a lot of depth with a lot of skilled players with a lot of competitive guys and someone's going to be the odd man out and so far you know Thon had a pretty solid month when Ersan was hurt. But then Ersan comes back, and, you know, Mike Budenholzer trusts him. He's willing to play him ahead of Thon and give him those minutes. Um, I I don't know that Ersan has played all that well and has always been deserving of those minutes. Uh, As recently as last week when the Bucs played the Mavericks, I mean, Ersan didn't play very well in the first half. The the Bucs were kind of teetering. And in the second half, uh, when Ersan normally would have come in, that's when Thon came in. And he played four minutes, and he wasn't outstanding. Uh, but he was a, a net positive. I think the, the Bucks were like plus one in the minutes that he was out. There's only like four minutes, but you know, he held his own. He was fine, uh, and he kind of bridged the gap that they needed him to bridge. Um, but just overall, everybody knows you know where he stands and what he wants. And I, I don't think the the Bucks. I mean, like I said, they, they have all the leverage. I don't think they're going to trade him just to trade him. Um, they're not going to give in to to whatever you know his agent thinks or what he thinks. You know, they're going to be able to work through this and decide, okay, if we see a deal that makes us better and happens to have Thon in it, then so be it. But if there isn't one, like, we'll we'll just kind of push through. And uh, I, I think that, you know, they have this stable of, you know, big guys that it could probably be beneficial to them to keep, to have DJ Wilson and Thon Maker and Christian Wood and Ersan Eliasova all under, you know, good contracts for next year. I mean, uh thon's on his rookie scale deal dj's on the rookie scale deal urson's uh next year it'll be seven million dollars but it'll also be expiring because the team owns his third year option um and then christian wood is on a non-guaranteed deal for next year those are all you know bargaining pieces for the future uh and you can also kind of decide hey you know if, if brooke lopez comes back uh in free agency then how do we shake this out if he doesn't come back Do we have the guys we need to kind of make up for that or do we need to go get somebody else or trade or whatever? Like they have all these options and you don't want to sell low on any of them. Uh, You you want to – if you're going to sell, you want to sell at market value or high. Um, And you know, right now, if his market value is going to be affected at all by his interest in being somewhere else, then, then you don't need to move him. You know, Thon Maker is not the only guy who's asked for a trade this week. Anthony Davis,
0: of course, of the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, recently uh, reported to to be asking the Pelicans for a trade. He's been a hotly discussed item on the trade market for some time. Of course, the Lakers and many other key players are, uh, are uh, figured to be involved ruminating over something like that you had a funny response when somebody pointed out oh the Bucks should go after Anthony Davis you said on Twitter well, sure if they trade Giannis straight up that is the way to do it and uh, obviously that's not going to happen and if that uh, if that is the only way to do it it pretty much answers the question yes Anthony Davis not happening in uh, in Milwaukee I'm assuming that's that's the way to look at it Anthony Davis is not happening in Milwaukee
1: I mean, Anthony Davis is not happening before the trade deadline. Like, And the thing is, is that kind of like the Bucks. Like, the Pelicans don't have to do anything right now. Anthony Davis is under contract for this season, and he is under contract for next season. Now everyone just knows that this summer he's not going to sign a Supermax extension. He's not going to stay in New Orleans. And so New Orleans is in a position where, yes, they could keep him for the length of his contract and lose him for nothing, or they could give him up via trade and get something in return, likely a pretty good haul because there's a bunch of teams that are really interested. Now, the, the thing is is that the Boston Celtics have a ton of assets, picks, players, you name it, they got it, uh, but they can't trade for Anthony Davis until this summer uh, because they already have Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, um, the way his contract is set up, it, it basically the, the long and short of it is there's a thing called the Rose Rule. You can't have two guys that are on the same type of contract um, and, and that Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving are on. So they'd have to wait until this summer and you know sign a new contract with Kyrie, and then you can trade and bring in Anthony Davis if you wanted to keep those guys on the same team together. Which I could understand uh, the rationale for doing that because they're both great. Um, so, um, so the so the Celtics are, are out until the summer. You would expect uh, unless they move Kyrie Irving in the deal or in a three-way trade or whatever. Um, but there, there are still plenty of sharks swimming and circling. Um, the New York Knicks can make an interesting offer. Everybody knows that the Lakers have a ton of assets uh, in terms of young guys. They have picks, all that. Uh, they can they can make an offer. You can throw in teams like the Raptors. You can throw in the Nuggets, the Warriors. I mean, all these teams have players who you could consider uh, likely uh, trade assets that could go to New Orleans that both teams might be interested in. Uh, but the Bucks. I mean, it's, it's a lot harder to find that deal um, because of the way that their their contracts are, um, they just don't have enough assets that that the Pelicans would really be interested in as, as long term options. I mean, Eric Bledsoe. I'm going down looking just at the, at the salaries. George Hill. Yeah, that's you're not making a deal around George Hill. Next, um, Eric Bledsoe. He's making 15 million. Anthony Davis is around like 25, 26. Um, Eric Bledsoe is also an expiring deal, and so he'll be a an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Uh, so you know, then the Pelicans would be. Taking a chance on whether or not Eric Bledsoe wants to stay with them, um, you know. That, and Chris Millson's the same situation. He's he could be expiring. He's a player option for 13 million next year. I doubt he picks it up because he's worth a lot more than that. And if you trade him to the Pelicans, he could just walk in the summer. Um, you know. And then you look at the the young guys. I mean, Tony Snell, he'd be a, kind of a an additional throw-in guy. Ersan Silva, throw-in guy. Jason Smith, like throw-in guy. Uh, Brooke Lopez is on a great deal, but I don't know what he would be doing for uh, the Pelicans. Um, and then you have like some younger guys you have Thonmaker, DJ Wilson, Dante DiVincenzo, Malcolm Brogdon, Sterling Brown, Christian Wood. All those guys are, are nice, uh, but not, but most of them, like outside of Brogdon, none of them's really proven anything in the NBA. And so, yes, those guys would be on controllable contracts, um, but you. That's just not enough and so i don't think the pelicans would be willing to say you know what we'll give up a generational talent um, for the hope that chris middleton or eric bledsoe would stay um because the problem with that is that you know you're, you're the new orleans pelicans and if you don't have anthony davis like what is your draw on free agency who wants to come play for your team uh and the answer is not very many teams or not very many players Um, you know, so if you, if those guys end up walking, uh, then, then you're kind of out of luck. And if those guys end up staying, it's probably because you overpaid them. And so like, why would, you know, you could overpay for them, but like, what's, what's the point? And like, that's not even getting into any of the draft picks where the Bucks already owe a first round pick to the Phoenix suns based on their record. It probably won't convey until 2020. And there is the step in rule in the NBA where you can't trade back to back first round picks. And so they, so 2020 would probably go to the suns. Which means they have a 2022 pick that they owe to the Cavaliers. Which means that they couldn't feasibly trade a first-round pick until 2024, um, and you know, and this is all before the trade deadline. If it gets to the summer, like they could trade their first-round pick on draft night after the pick is made, um, and still you know, fall within the bounds of the Stepien rule. But that's also before free agency, and so you wouldn't have figured out any of the Middleton Bledsoe brogdon stuff and so those guys would still be you know able to walk so and it's not going to be a good first round pick either you know whereas if like somebody like the knicks said they offer you christoph porzingis uh a couple other guys and the first overall pick in the draft and and like that that beats everything the bucks could offer not saying the knicks would offer that i'm not saying they would offer that but they could you could they could reasonably offer that um and, and that that changes everything so i just don't think the bucks have enough assets right now as it is uh, and if it gets to the summer and they re-sign, um, you know Middleton or Bledsoe, they re-sign some guys and maybe like then they wanted to re-sign them just so they could trade them. I still think there are other teams that could offer more, you know, either future incentives or younger players or guys on like you know more controllable contracts um, or just better players, um, you know, uh, than the Bucks could. And you know it would be a a surprise of epic proportions if Anthony Davis made it to the to the Milwaukee Bucks via some kind of trade.
0: Matt Velasquez did, in fact, include some of that information at jsonline.com in a piece that uh, is now posted, talking a little bit about the draft picks and what's available to trade, what's uh, you know what the Bucks might be thinking, some some things along those lines. So you should definitely check that out. Did not want to neglect the games that the Bucks played since we last chatted. There have been just two of them. They played on Friday at Pfizer Forum, beat up on the Charlotte Hornets. I shouldn't say beat up on them. I had to rally late for actually a very impressive win. Uh, definitely, I had called ball game in my house on that one. That the Hornets were going to win that one, but the Bucks pull away. Kemba Walker gets dinged up a little bit toward the end of that game. Might have uh, helped out the Bucks slightly to get uh, to get over the top against uh, a good uh, a good Eastern Conference foe. They then fall on the road to uh, to the thunder i'm pretty pretty much not concerned with that thunder game at all they kept it close paul pierce was an animal no, there's pa- nothing the paul bucks george. could have done
1: paul george not paul oh pierce. i
0: said paul pierce <laughs> the, uh, the, yes the uh, the truth not not uh not quite right there but uh, but paul george an animal unstoppable and uh and i don't think uh, the bucks are going to be sweating that one too much made it actually a pretty competitive game at the end there too Nice win against the Hornets. Given that, I mean, that's that's an Eastern Conference foe. That is right now, if the season ended today, a matchup. In the first round of the playoffs, and obviously there's a lot of uh, jostling to be done. The Bucks may not end up as the one seed. The Hornets may not end up as the eight seed. Might not even end up in the playoffs. But certainly, if uh, if Kemba's healthy, they probably will. And uh, that's that is a team that the Bucks could wind up seeing in the first round of the playoffs. So having seen them now a few times this year, what is what do you make of that? They've certainly, they've beaten the Bucks this year, as as a potential first round matchup in the Eastern Conference playoffs. What uh, what is your impression of what Charlotte? Uh, how Charlotte matches up with the Bucks?
1: You know, I think the really interesting thing with Charlotte is that every game, uh, at least uh, definitely the past two out of the three they've played, like, they've all been close. They've all been tough. Uh, Charlotte's found ways to score on Milwaukee's defense, which is, you know, one of the best in the NBA, uh, statistically speaking. Uh, and, you know, the Bucks have in the, in the past two games, November 26th in Charlotte and then just this past Friday, have gone to, you know, have kind of broken out of their normal scheme uh, where they play pick and rolls by dropping the big uh, into the paint, kind of inviting the ball handler to come in and shoot mid range shots, floaters, uh, and try to contest those as much as possible. And, and they also give up a lot of three point attempts, mostly above the break. Um, and so Charlotte's figured out how to, how to work with that and like put, use their small ball lineup to really stretch uh, Milwaukee's defense and, and find those crevices in the lane and, and be able to score and, and build leads. And then, in Charlotte uh, back in November, uh, the Bucks switched uh, to a, uh, a small ball lineup of their own and started switching everything on defense. They were playing the pick and roll differently. Um, they had you know guys out there who could, who could fly around, be a little bit more aggressive, um, and and be able to switch everything, which you know Mike Budenholzer doesn't really like to do. And they erased like a twenty three point deficit and they got it to like within a point and almost won that game. Uh, and they ended up losing by three. I think it was 110-107. And a similar thing happened on Friday uh, where Pat Connaughton joined the starters instead of Brooke Lopez. So they had this small ball group with the honest at the five. With about nine and a half minutes left, they were down 12. Start, they were switching everything. Uh, they were kind of just, you know, really causing havoc on the defensive end, doing things that they hadn't been doing uh, during the rest of the game. And, you know, for the most part, don't do that often uh, in most games. Uh, and, and their defense just absolutely shut down the Hornets. They were able to get a lot of stops, turn those into, um, you know, kind of runs the other other direction. Um, they had a bunch of shooters on the floor. Giannis was even making threes. He was 3 of 5 in that game. Uh, and they just rolled. They had a 28-7 to finish uh, over the final nine and a half minutes and, you know, turned what looked like a loss and was really kind of a sluggish, like, you know, stuck-in-the-mud type of game into a win. And, and the funny thing about all of that is, is that, you know, Pat Connaughton that that lineup with Connaughton, uh, Dedekumbo, Middleton, Bledsoe, and Brogdon, they have played all of 18 minutes together this season, and it's been in those two games against the Hornets.
0: Incredible.
1: But, and 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 so it's a very small sample size, um, but they're like plus 50 and a half points per 100 possessions, uh, which is just absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, yes, small sample, it's whatever, but you know, it's still. It's just still crazy the way that that group has you know performed together. It doesn't mean that it'll happen against every team. It doesn't mean uh, that it, it would always fit. It's just that against uh, that that group of, of Hornets, that small ball group that they have, that you know Mike Boonholzer has found something that works. Um, you know, which you, know, you would expect that in the playoffs, you know the Bucks wouldn't spend all their time you know in their base defense. Uh, and let themselves get behind and have to rally. If this is going to be something that will work for them, instead of it being a curveball, maybe they switch that up and they start using that as their kind of, like, more consistent defense. I know that Budenholzer can be a little bit set in his ways. He likes doing what he he does, and he believes in his scheme, and he believes that if applied correctly, his scheme can work um, basically all the time. Um, But, you know, at at the same time, you know, the playoffs are a different animal, and and if you can, you know... Have a have a four game sweep or a you know a five game series win instead of a, a knockdown drag out six or seven games by you know making an adjustment that you've seen work uh, multiple times, uh, then then I think that you probably give that more time and, and give that a, more of a look. Um, so I mean that'll that'll be interesting to see how they adjust in the future, uh, you know against the Hornets whether they play them in the postseason or not. They still have one more game against Charlotte, um, but it's just something to uh, kind of chew on while we while we wait for the playoffs to come. It's pretty exciting to think the Bucks still might have another bag
0: in their you know have have another club in their bag you know this ba- this trick that we hadn't seen them pull uh, as as good as they've been, and then they find yet another way to mix things up and make it tough on on teams. That's that's pretty wild. That's pretty pretty fun to watch. Before we get out of here, Giannis Adedikupo, man, I butchered the name again. He uh, he was in fact named uh, named the All Star game captain as expected, and uh, we'll be picking uh, picking some of the guys. Uh, he'll be along with LeBron James choosing his All Star team for NBA All Star weekend. We'll learn the names of the guys that uh, that are going to be available later this, uh, I believe. It a couple days, the thirty first, I believe, and then have the uh, the draft televised February seventh, where Giannis and LeBron will choose who they want on their side. Curious to, you know, you you waited on who you thought should be the All Stars last week. Now, now we kind of that we know the starters. Who do you think Giannis is going to choose if he has first pick? Who's the guy that he's going to bring to his team first?
1: Well, LeBron has the first pick because he got more. Uh, he, he he won the popular vote, um, and so he got the most votes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, there's a, a lot of different ways they can do it. I think Giannis might pick Joel Embiid first, only because he he, he half jokingly, uh, and it's only half joking until he actually you know decides. But he mentioned like, oh, I already know who I want to pick. I want to get you know Joel Embiid and Russell Westbrook on the same team. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, so he, you know, those two guys have been beefing in the in the public for, for some time now, um, and so you know he wants them both on his team. And so we'll have to see if that actually comes to pass. Obviously, you need Embiid, uh, If that's going to happen. Westbrook would need to be named an All-Star uh, reserve, um, and obviously, the way that the, the selections go, um, the LeBron and Giannis will be picking between the starters first, and then they will pick from the reserves. Um, and so we'll have to see, you know, how all that shakes out. Uh, but if Joel Embiid's on the board after LeBron has the first pick, I. I can see how that would happen. And I can also see, you know, Giannis, after seeing what Paul George did uh, did yesterday, <laughs> I, I mean, you can go one of two ways. You can say, hey, I want that guy on my team, or, like, forget that guy. You know, he dunked on me. I'm, I'm done with him. I don't know the way he goes with it, I but, you know, Paul George is a nice guy to have on your team.
0: Yeah, this is true, and you wrote about it after Giannis uh, was named named the captain at jsonline.com. You wrote about how he is going to try to pick teammates if he gets a chance once the starters are are selected. You think that you think that's true? How awkward is that if like Eric Bledsoe or Chris Middleton are sitting there, but you've got some pretty you know like, you know some pretty talented guys yet to go. I could ugh, that's a tough. I don't know if I'd want to be in his position. Is the thing?
1: You know, I, I think that um, you know Giannis. I remember he's long talked about loyalty and how loyalty is in his DNA and all that stuff. I think he'd be loyal to his guys. Um, I think he'd pick them uh, you know, and ride with those guys, regardless of, uh, of who else is on the board. I think everybody would understand that. Um, you know, it just makes sense. Um, but also, you know, they have to get in first. And so the Eastern conference is obviously, uh, it's obviously a little bit easier for guys to get in um the west is is just full of guys and there's a lot of really strong all-star cases out there and guys who are going to be left out who, who shouldn't be uh and in the east it's it's kind of hard to figure out who the all-stars are for a different reason because there's just not enough guys who really rise to that standard uh, in the same way as they do in the west but you know that all that being said i think chris middleton and eric bledsoe have, have made really strong um cases to to be in the all-star game uh i, I would i would argue that i think Bledsoe's case is a, is a little bit stronger just based on what he's done this season um, and the way that he has flourished under Boone system on offense and defense. And it's very obvious the way that he's affecting games um, and just the level that he's playing at. I think Middleton, um, you know, his per 36 numbers are, are better than, than they were last year. Uh, at the last time I checked, he's playing really well, but he's playing less. He has a, a more of a, um, you know, a little bit more of a smaller role, than he has in the past. He's not shooting the same types of shots he was. He doesn't stand out as much. He's, you know, he, I mean, he's still uh, playing really well and shooting a high percentage from three. And, and he really uh, helped the Bucks weather um, some tough moments in that OKC game because uh, he was playing really well uh, and scoring the basketball, especially at times when Giannis wasn't. I mean, Giannis missed his first seven shots, didn't even uh, make a field goal until the third quarter. Uh, so Middleton really helped keep him afloat. Um, but, you know, I, I think that his case is just a little bit. Uh, less strong than Bledsoe's, but all that being said, um, it's the coaches who decide on the All-Stars, uh, the All-Star reserves. And so I think that, generally speaking, I think coaches would be more likely to vote Middleton as an All-Star um, because they have probably in their heads, like, okay, if we're preparing for the Bucks, obviously Giannis is number one. And I think they would they would put Middleton as number two, and he has a reputation with them. Um, and they they saw what he did in the playoffs last year. And he's someone that you have to game plan for a lot. Not that whatsoever is, but I think that he would probably be, you know, number number two on the scouting report. And I think that would give him the edge. I think he's, you know, coaches kind of sell themselves on the he's underappreciated. He's under, he's under known, um, you, know, you know, they know how good he is. I, I can't tell you how many times there have been coaches over the past couple of years who have said, oh yeah, Chris Milton, like he's really good. We know how good he is um, and, and we know what he means to that team. Um, and so I I think that if I had to guess who would get the nod, I would guess that it would be Middleton if only one of them were, were to, but obviously with Victor Oladipo's injury, uh, you know, he was having an all-star caliber season. I think he will still be voted an all-star. Uh, and then if they need to replace him with a guard, um, then I think Eric Bledsoe could be the backup. Uh, You know, he can can be an alternate and possibly get into the game that way. Um, which, you know, last I checked, doesn't matter how you get into the all-star game. You're still an all-star. Um, so uh, that'll be really interesting to see on, on Thursday night um, how it all shakes out. Uh, I think the Bucks, by virtue of how well they played, have a strong case for having multiple All-Stars, and they deserve multiple All-Stars. Uh, it's just a function of how many and who they will be. Thursday night should be an interesting night for Bucks fans. And in, in addition to, of
0: course, the uh, the reveal of some of these All-Stars, they will be in Toronto to play the Raptors. Big game. The fourth game of the season against Toronto right now. The Bucs lead that series two games to one. And uh, they would, of course, obtain tie-breaking rights if they can win in Toronto as they did earlier this year. So that's upcoming. Uh, as we mentioned on Wednesday night, they'll be playing, or I should say Tuesday night, they'll be playing in Detroit. And uh, and later after that, you've got the Wizards on the road. Again, the, the, all four of these upcoming games on the road for the, to the completion of a five-game road trip in Washington, returning to the site of one of their more recent losses. That'll be on Saturday the 2nd. And then they go to uh, New York, the Brooklyn Nets, Monday, February 4th. And then we will probably chat again with Matt Velasquez, Bucks beat reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Matt, thank you for joining us once again on the Journal Sentinel Bucks podcast. We will chat with you again very soon. All right, can't wait. Find him at Matt underscore Velasquez V E L A Z Q U E Z on Twitter. You can also find me again. My name is J R Radcliffe, host of the Bucks Podcast at J R Radcliffe. That's just like you think it would be with an E on the end of it. And uh, let us know what you think. Thanks for tuning in this week. Stay warm for God's sakes. Stay huddled together. Watch some Bucks basketball, and uh, and we will come through on the other side. Uh, hopefully, the Bucks have a few more wins in addition to uh, to you still being you know alive and all. Thanks for tuning in. We'll chat with you again next week.